Now, if you would, for our scripture reading, open your Bibles with me to Psalm 23. Our text is still going to be from Genesis chapter 47, but this Psalm 23 goes along very well, I believe, with the message. Every time I publicly read Psalm 23, I feel compelled to remind us all, even though most of us could, could quote this psalm without looking at it. Pay careful attention to this like you've never heard it before. For you who believe this is the psalm of your shepherd. Your shepherd. Now listen to it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's bow together. Our Father, we've gathered here together this evening, gathered together out of the world. And Father, we've come here this evening to hear word from Thee. Father, how I pray that You would be pleased to send Your Spirit upon us, enable us to hear a word from Thee. Father, how we pray that tonight You'd lead us in the green pastures of Your Word that you lead us beside those still waters and enable us to drink, enable us to, to eat in that pasture freely. Father, that you'd nourish us, that you'd strengthen us, that you'd restore our soul by one more time showing us Christ the Savior. And Father, enable us, I beg of thee, to see him by faith, to believe him, to rest in him, to run to him for everything that we need. Father, bless us for your great name's sake, we pray. And Father, how can we begin to thank you for your many, countless many blessings to us? Over all these many years, Father, you blessed us with homes and children and families. You blessed us with jobs and homes and friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. You blessed us so richly. Father, you blessed us so richly and Enabling us to have a place where your gospel's preached all these many years. Oh, your goodness to us. Father, we're thankful. We praise your matchless name and beg your forgiveness for the times we murmur and complain, find fault and fuss and worry. After all you've done for us, how faithful you've proven. Father, we're thankful. Father, I pray that you bless your word where it's preached tonight, everywhere. What we ask for ourselves, it's not just for us, but Father, it's for your glory, wherever your word is proclaimed tonight. Bless your people through the preaching of your word, we pray. Father, for those who are in times of great difficulty, trial, sorrow, heartbroken, sick, many various illnesses, 
problems of this life, Father, we pray for. We pray that you would give them a fulfillment of your promise that your grace is sufficient. That you'd be with them and comfort their hearts with your presence. Father, that you would deliver as soon as it could be thy will. And all these things we ask and we give thanks in that name which is above every name. The name of Christ our Savior. Amen. All right, now if you would turn to Genesis chapter 47. Our text is going to be from this morning, or this evening. I have a a very blessed and pleasant task this evening. I have a message that I know will be a great comfort to every believer, and a message that it is my prayer will make every unbeliever run to Christ. I want to show us how well the Savior takes care of his family. I've titled the message, Christ's Care for His Family. And we see that care in a picture of how Joseph took care of his family. Look in Genesis 47, verse 11. And Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread according to their families. Now, I read this at the, the beginning of my work week, Monday morning, and four key words here jumped out to me in these two verses. And these four words give us a, a very good picture of how it is God takes care of his family. And you know the way that the Lord takes care of his family, the way he takes care of them, what he's pleased to give them, where he's pleased to put them, Do you know it's always the best? He has reserved the best for his family. That's what it says here in verse 11 that Joseph gave them a possession in the land of Egypt in the best of the land. Everything that God Almighty gives to his children is the best thing. The best thing. And the first word that stuck out to me is the word placed. Joseph placed his father. And his brethren, where they wanted, he wanted them to be. He didn't just say, go out there in Egypt and find your place to live somewhere. He placed them where he wanted them to be. Joseph wanted his family to be in the best place. So that's where he put them. Well, that's a picture of Christ our Savior. He wills for his people. He wills for his children to be in the best place. So, you know, that's where he puts them. In the best place. This word placed, it means made to dwell. The Lord makes his people to dwell in the best place. You don't just visit there now. You dwell there. It pleased the Father that all of his people would dwell in Christ. And that's where he put them. Before he created anything, he put those people that he chose, that he loved, he wanted the best for them. So he put them in Christ. That's the best place to be. I'll tell you why it's the best place to be. There's many reasons, but one that just stands out to me so clearly. If anyone dwells in Christ, when the Father looks at them, you know what he sees? Christ. That's all he sees. He doesn't see you and Christ, and he's grudgingly got to accept you because, you know, you're in his son. When the Father looks at his people, all he sees is Christ. 
All he sees is his beloved son. Now that's the best place to be, isn't it? That's what David meant, I'm sure, when he said, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He knew I'm going to dwell in Christ forever. And that comforted David's heart. It thrilled David's heart. And it does us too, if we've got any idea what it means to be in Christ, doesn't it? Look with me over at 1 John chapter 3. Not only do God's people dwell in Christ, but you know Christ dwells in his people. If Christ dwells in you, that's the best place to be, isn't it? 1 John 3, verse 24. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Now what is it John's talking about? What commandment is it that a believer keeps? It's the commandment of God, the one commandment of God, to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's commandment. And you know what? If we believe Christ, you know why that is? It's because God the Holy Spirit dwells in us. He's given us the faith to believe. He dwells in you and you dwell in him. And God did that for his people because it was his purpose to give them the best. Can you think of anything better than having Christ dwell in you? That word placed, it also means to sit. It means to sit. God has made his people to sit in Christ. Now, God's made his people to stay in Christ. You know, if you're sitting somewhere, you plan on staying a while, aren't you? He made us sit in Christ because we're not leaving. And he made us rest in Christ. When he makes us sit in Christ, he makes us rest. When you're sitting, you ought to be resting, shouldn't you? It's a place of rest. And if you're sitting in Christ, he made you to sit in Christ. You know where you're sitting right now? You're sitting in heaven itself. I'll show you that. Look back at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. Verse 4. But God, who's rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And Christ the Savior ascended back to glory, and the Father said, you sit down here in my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And he sat down on the throne in heaven. All of his people sat in him. You'll never leave. And you're sitting there resting because the work's done. He made us sit in Christ. He made us dwell there because it was the Father's will that his people have the best. All right, the second word that stuck out to me was possession. David gave his family a possession in the land of Egypt. And that possession was the best that they could possibly have. It was the best of all of the land of Egypt. It was the most fertile place. It was the most beautiful place. It uh, Everything around it was the best. It was the most convenient place. It was the best. And that land in Egypt belonged to Joseph's family. 
They owned it. It was their possession. They weren't squatters in it. They weren't just squatting in it, waiting until you know the famine was over and then they leave. No, they weren't squatters in it. They owned it. They weren't renting it and they could get kicked out, you know, when the lease runs up. That land was their possession. It was their possession because Joseph gave it to them. It was their possession by commandment of Pharaoh. Pharaoh commanded that they have it. Well, the Lord has given his people a possession. And it's the best possession that we could possibly have. You think of everything that Almighty God has given to his people. Everything he gives to his people, it's their possession because he gave it to them. Because he commanded that they have it. I'll give you a few examples. God has given his people comfort. He's given them a good hope. And that comfort and that good hope, it's an expectation. It's an expectation of salvation. 2 Thessalonians 2.16 Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God even our Father which has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Now by his grace, God's given that to every one of his people an everlasting consolation and a good hope. Now that comfort, that consolation, that good hope is yours. You believe Christ, it's yours. It belongs to you. Now I know you didn't earn it. God gave it to you by his grace. But since he gave it to you, it's yours. Well, brother, put it to use. Take that comfort in those dark nights of worry and suffering and trial and use it. (laughs) Take that good hope and use it. Oh, put it to use for the comfort of your soul. God's given you the best. You can't have more comfort. You can't have a better hope than one God's given his people because it's by his grace through his son. 1 John 4 verse 13 says, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. God the Father has given his spirit to his people so that God the Holy Spirit dwells in his people. He dwells in you. Now, it's not heresy to say. I know people say, oh, that's heresy. You're saying you're you know, a little God because you've got the spirit. No, 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 no. It's not heresy to say what God says. God's given you his spirit. Now, look to him. Call on him. Take advantage of that. God has given himself to you so that honestly and truthfully, you can call the God of heaven and earth your God and your Father. In John 20, verse 17, the Savior arose, he revealed himself to to Mary, and he told her, you go to my brethren, and you say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Almighty God is your God because he gave himself to you. Almighty God is your father because he gave himself. He made you to be his child so he would be your father. And he's your father. Your father. He's your God. 
Make use of it. Make use of it. I was at dinner Monday evening and got a phone call. And uh, it was my daughter, Holly. And I said, excuse me for one moment. And I answered the phone. And she said, Daddy, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm out to dinner. She said, well, you weren't supposed to answer if you're out to dinner. And I said, honey, you're my baby. I'm going to answer the phone when you call. I'm your daddy. Almighty God, it's your father calling. Call on him. Your father will answer. If you trust Christ, Christ the Savior is yours. He's your Savior. He's your shepherd. The bride said in Song of Solomon 6 verse 3, I am my beloved's. And my beloved's mine. (laughs) See, Christ is my Savior. This is a relationship. He's mine. He's mine. Maybe it's just me. But the world is more confusing. I mean, when I was a young man, I understood everything. Now I don't understand nothing. I, it's, it's confusing. And, and boy, religion is confusing. And people confuse the issue. Just... But now God's will for his people to have the best. God's children have been given an understanding of the truth so that you can't be deceived. 1 John 5, 20. And we know. Now, this is not something I doubt. This is something I don't wonder. No, I know this. The Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true and that we're in Him that is true. Even His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, God's given you who believe in understanding. I know you don't understand everything, but I'll tell you what, you know him, don't you? You know Christ. You have an understanding. I understand how God saves sinners. It's by the obedience of another. It's by the sacrifice of another. I understand how God could save me. Just looking at myself, I could never understand why God would save me. But looking at Christ, I understand. See, God's given you an understanding. Now, put that understanding to use. You know how you put that understanding to use? Keep trusting Christ. Keep looking to Christ. That understanding is yours. You may as well use it, hadn't you? And the way we use it is by looking to Christ. God's given his people the gift of righteousness. Perfect righteousness that is theirs. That belongs to somebody else, it's theirs. It belongs to them. That's right. If you trust Christ, your possession is a perfect righteousness. Now, I know you didn't earn it. Christ earned it. But that righteousness is yours because he gave it to you. Look at this over at Revelation chapter 19. That righteousness, it, it belongs to you. Just like that land belonged to Joseph's family because he gave it to him. Righteousness is yours because God gave it to you. Revelation 19, verse 8. And to her, the bride, was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. 
Now, John doesn't say that fine linen that all, all everyone in glory is clothed in. It doesn't say it's Christ's righteousness put on them, does it? It doesn't say, well, it's Christ, but it's not really theirs, but you know, they're wearing it even though it's not theirs. He said, it's the righteousness of saints. It belongs to them. It's theirs because Christ gave it to them. Christ gave it to them. Now I could go on and on and on and on with what God's given his people, the blessings God's given his people. But I'll sum it up for time's sake by saying this. Everything that God has is yours if you trust Christ. Everything. Romans 8, 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us what? All things. All things. Second Corinthians 4, 15. For all things are for your sakes. All things. Everything that God does. Everything. It's for the sake of his people. All things are yours. You know, everything that's in creation, it's the possession of God's people. You know why God made it? For the enjoyment of his people. The beauty of nature. The sunset. I was driving up here this evening and first time in a Wednesday in a long time, I know the sun was still out. I watched the sunset. I don't see many sunrises. That's too early in the morning for me, but I see some sunsets. It was gorgeous the mountains and the blue sky and the valleys and the streams and the oceans just beautiful aren't they god put all that there for the enjoyment of his people enjoy it it's yours belongs to you You may as well enjoy it at you and not only things that are created but everything in providence every event of providence history everything it all happens for the good of God's people. Because God is determined to give the best to his people. That's right. God makes it rain. And it rains on the good and the evil both, doesn't it? But it rains for the sake of God's people. That's why it does. God makes the sun shine. It shines on the wicked and it shines on the righteous. It shines on both, doesn't it? But God makes that sunshine for the good of his people. That's why he does it. God gives times of peace where there's no war, there's no fussing, there's no fighting, you know, there's no threat of war. And both the righteous and the unrighteous enjoy it while it lasts, don't they? But God gives that time of peace for his people. That's why he does it. Now I'm telling you, we will not understand how all those events that are happening are for good. We won't understand it. I know they are good, because remember what God's determined to give his people? The best. He's determined to give them the best. So everything that happens is good. It's good. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now we know that. We know that. There's not a person in this room that doubts that. Sometimes it don't feel that way right down here where we live, though, does it? But we know it's so. We know it's so even if we don't understand, even if it don't feel that way. Now, you know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them are the called according to his purpose. That knowledge is your possession. It's your possession. Now, put it to use. I'm telling you, there's nothing will calm your heart 
in times of trial, heartache, and trouble, like knowing God's working all things together for good. He is all things to those that love God, to them are the called according to his purpose. Isn't that the best possession you could have? That's what God's given. He's given the best. Then the third word is nourished. Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread. Now you think about what's going on here. During this time of worldwide famine, I mean, nothing was growing anywhere. Joseph did more than just feed his family, just give them enough food, you know, to barely keep them alive. He nourished them with food. He nourished them. They didn't just have to live on bread and water. Joseph nourished them. They ate good tasting, well-balanced meals all that time of that famine that kept them healthy and strong. Joseph nourished them. And you know, the first thing I thought of when I read that was how you and I live in a time of spiritual famine. Most of the world seems to me like is as materially prosperous as it ever has been. But boy, we live in a time of great spiritual famine, don't we? We are living the fulfillment of the prophecy of Amos in Amos 8 verse 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I'll send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. This is a time of great famine, isn't it? But you know also, in this time of great famine, you know what the Lord's doing? He's nourishing his people with bread. He's nourishing them with Christ, the bread of life. The best food. The best. The Lord's feeding his people with his word being preached. The Lord is still the great shepherd of the sheep. Leading his sheep to feed in the green pastures of his word. Leading beside those still waters to drink. That word nourished, it means to support and sustain. The Lord gives his people spiritual life. He takes a dead sinner. I mean a dead sinner can't hear nothing, doesn't know nothing, doesn't believe nothing, doesn't even want to believe anything. And the Lord takes that dead sinner and gives them spiritual life. He puts spiritual life in them. And you know how he does it? The seed of this book. The preaching of this word. That's why we keep preaching it. This is the means that God's going to use to give life to dead sinners. And that same word that gives life to dead sinners, it also sustains that life, feeds them and enables them to grow and, and be stronger. God's people are given strength to keep believing, to keep looking to Christ, to, to keep on going by the preaching of the word of God. It's what Brother Adam tells me all the time. I believe I can make to Wednesday now. Well, he says that he'd been sustained. He'd been nourished. Yesterday evening, I told Jan, I said, I'm done. I mean, I'm done. I am so tired. I'm going to sit right here in this chair the rest of the evening. And uh, she fixed a big old spaghetti dinner. I, I did get out of my chair to come eat. And after I said, you know, I haven't felt this good all day. I'm, I'm going to go do some more work. You know, that food, it nourished me. You know, That's what the word of God does for his people. It, nourish, it strengthens them. Enables them to keep going. But that word also, nourished, means something we don't 
normally wouldn't ever use this word to mean this, but it means to contain and to restrain. Every believer needs that. We need to be contained. We need to be restrained. The strongest believer you know is still in this flesh. And since we're in this flesh, we leave God. We leave His Word. We leave His Son. We leave His Gospel. We leave His people in a heartbeat. Every last one of us would quit believing Christ if God would let us. We all would. But He won't let us. He's going to contain His people. He's going to constrain them. You ever believer, I know we fear. I'll be the one to leave. You know, we talk about these went out from us because they were never of us. You know, we all fear that could be me. I could do that. I could see myself doing that. You know why you won't? God contains his people. He restrains them. He nourishes them. And the, the way he can contains them, the way he restrains them, it's not threats of the law. It's not threats of punishment, threats of damnation. You know, God's going to kill your children if you leave the gospel. He's not threatening you. You know how God contains his people so that they don't leave him? This word. <laughs> he takes the preaching of this word and keeps pointing you to Christ. He takes this word and keeps showing us ourselves. How sinful, how vile, how depraved we are, how dependent we are on the Lord. And he keeps pointing us to Christ. I'm not faithful, but he is. I'm empty, but he's full. He's everything that I need. That's why the believer doesn't leave the Lord. That's why the believer doesn't leave the gospel and quit believing on him because the Lord keeps him. He keeps him by his word, by the preaching of the word. This word, human language can't express how precious it is. You, you can't express how precious this is. The only place you will ever know God is in this book. The words of this book. It's the only, the only place you ever find out what you are is in this book. The only place you'll ever find out how it is that God saves sinners and finds out about His holiness and His righteousness and His justice and His grace. You only find out about that in this book. And Almighty God's given it to you as a possession and He's given you an understanding so you understand it when you read it. That's your possession. That's the best possession God could give you. Men and women have died to translate this book and print it and put it in on paper so you could read it. Make use of it. God's given it to you. You may as well use it, haven't you? Be in it often. Be here to preach, to hear it preach as often as you can. In it, is the words of life, and it's the best nourishment that you could have for your soul. Absolute best, and God's given it to you. And the last word is really a phrase, according to their families. It says there in verse 12, And Joseph nourished his father and his brother and all his father's household with bread, according to their families. And that phrase, according to their families, it means... Like you would take care of a stumbling toddler. Joseph took care of his family like they were toddlers who couldn't take care of themselves. Because that's pretty much what they've proven themselves to be. 
Now, when you take care of a toddler, I mean, you've got to be on constant vigilance. You got to make sure. I mean, everything they do, you got to watch everything. I mean, you got to make sure they don't stick their finger in the electrical outlet. You got to keep them away from the stairs because I'm telling you, a toddler that can't walk on stairs wants to go to stairs more than anything in this world. You got you got to keep them from it. You got to put locks on all the the cabinets. You got that you got cleaning chemicals and these kinds of things in. You know, our grandson's uh, getting big enough. He's moving around now. And Jan said, "We got to get those things where we lock all the all the cabinets." You know, you got because I'm telling you, of all the cabinets in the house, you know what he's going to get into? The one with with Drano or Clorox or whatever. That, that's the one you got to watch them. <laughs> you got to pick out the right foods for them to eat. It amazes my daughter Savannah. It it amazes me the thought she puts in to all the different foods you know that this kid's going to eat. So he has all these different tastes. He gets all this you know. Well, this is good for this part of the body. This is good for this part of the body. Well, somebody's got to do that for a toddler. They won't eat right. Isn't that right? You got to pick out everything they're going to wear. And when they're learning to walk, you got to you go along behind them, you know, because I'm telling you, sure as the world, they're going to fall down, bang their head. You know, you got to be there to catch them, don't you? I mean, you got to do everything for them. You got to watch them every second, because I'm. You take your eyes off a toddler for a second, and you you will be amazed how quickly they can get into mischief. <laughs> something, and it always is something's going to hurt them, you know. That's just what toddlers do. Joseph knew that about his family. <laughs> So he took care of them like toddlers. He took care of every detail because they'd already proven they can't take care of themselves. Do you know how that's how the Lord takes care of his weak, stumbling children? His little ones. He watches them like a hawk. You don't ever have to worry. He's going to take his eye off of them. He watches them all the time. He never slumbers nor sleeps. He keep his children from touching the electrical outlet. He'll keep them from latching on to that unclean thing and leave him. He'll keep them from it. He keeps his children from the stairs. He's not going to let them climb up a cliff and fall off of it. No, he's going to hold them safe. His rod and his staff, that'll keep them on the path. It'll keep them from going up there where they can get hurt. And he's the one who picks out everything they eat. He gives them the bread of his word. Otherwise, they'd eat the junk food of man's religion and damage their souls. So he picks out what to eat. And he walks with his stumbling people. He knows we can't do one blessed thing by ourselves. And he just keeps right with them to keep us from falling. I'm telling you, he's the best caregiver. He's the best father. He's the best guide. He's the best teacher. And with everything that God Almighty is, His love, His care, His wisdom, with everything that He is, He takes care of His weak, helpless children. I sure am thankful for that, aren't you? Nobody... Nobody's more thankful for that than somebody can't walk by himself. Now that makes me glad to trust Christ as you. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. All right, let's bow together. Our Father, how can we begin to thank you 
that sinful men and women, weak believers, weak in the faith, weak in every imaginable way, can call the God of heaven and earth our Father and call upon you as your children calling to our Father. Oh, how thankful we are. Father, how we thank you for your care, your love, your your tender loving kindness that you use to, to take care of your children, to lead us and guide us and protect us from ourselves. Father, we're so thankful. Father, I pray you use your words that's been preached tonight to reveal your glory to each heart here. And Father, that you would enable all of us to leave here tonight resting in Christ our Savior and his righteousness, his love, his faithfulness, and his care for us. Father, it's in his precious name. For his glory we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.